Yes, like I said, this is my first time using this phone. So, because what's crazy is that I have no internet in my house right now. So, hmm. my internet is on my phone. <laughs> hey, listen, I hear you. <laughs> we need to do what we got. You ain't lying, because people don't realize, like, sometimes, you know, even no matter how many times you pay a bill, you might miss one. Mm -hmm. Every one that you need, you got to adjust. <laughs> I hear you. Listen, I hear you. I know. Thank so God, though, the phone has internet everywhere. <laughs> oh, yes, Lord. I swear. So how is New Jersey, I mean, not New Jersey, New Hampshire? Um, um, well, okay, so we live on Long Island, but we travel okay, to New okay. Hampshire. Yeah. Okay, then, okay, then. But, but shit, either way, so how is the weather up there in Long Island? Because I, I remember the last time I was up there many years ago, New York gets cold. It's fucking cold right now. It's cold. It's cold. Oh I mean, it's not like as cold as it could be. So truthfully, I should be saying like, thank you for not having such brutal winters, but it's coming. The next couple of days is supposed to get chilly, but um, yeah. I think it's fucking cold right now. Yeah, because last week it was messing me up because I'm thinking I'm sitting there going to work. I, I'm layered up. By the time I get off work, I, I got to put shit in my book sack. Right. <laughs> it's, it's exactly it. Right. Like, Last week, one day was 70 degrees, and legit the next day, it was like 30. It was so extreme. It was unbelievable. It's wonky. And people, and people say there's no such thing as climate change. That's the exact same thing that I said. Exactly what I said. Because I'm sorry, when I was growing up, right, and I was in North Carolina, we had white Christmas. We mm -hmm. had snow during the, you know, during Christmas time in January. Now it feels like it's a nice spring in December and January. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And and people don't understand it because like, it's like we bar we barely get snow as it is, but we really don't get snow anymore. Right. Hardly. I agree. You know? Yeah, it's so true. You know, my mom lives in PA and she gets snow probably. I mean. I'm not going to say frequently, but it's enough for you to be like, oh, you know, that's great that you get snow. I was really hoping that we were going to get some on Christmas because they were kind of forecasting that. And then the weather took a hard shift and it, that's not what ended up happening. So it is like a pleasant surprise if it does ever happen happening. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you have to give you your props. I saw you took some of your Christmas photos outdoors. Out now, if, now, if I'm correct, if you wasn't in New Hampshire, you had to be in New York. Even that was, was New Hampshire. <laughs> it was, it's even cold in New Hampshire. <laughs> it was so cold. Okay, so wait, let me just tell you about that. It really, it wasn't terrible because the night before, um, so it was an entire weekend takeover that we were um, attending. And so Friday was really cold. They had a winter storm that came through and like iced everything and it was freezing it was really really it was just nasty very cold it was terrible so then come saturday it was still kind of chilly but i mean the temperature went up like i feel like 20 degrees from friday night so i was like oh this isn't so bad i feel like we're in a heat wave right now and also <laughs> you know i also just finished dancing my ass off inside and so like we were sm you know we were dancing and then you know we were taking a smoke break so I was like, oh, this is a perfect time because your body temperature is kind of like trying to balance out some. So it was, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. And listen, no, you gotta do whatever you gotta do for photos. <laughs> no, I, I, hey, look, true models know you're never comfortable in a photo shoot. Ever, never. <laughs> From the clothing to the heels to the positions that you gotta do. That's right. It's so true. It's so true. And the thing that's so interesting about it is, is that. The more awkward that you feel while you're doing it, the better the picture is. Because yes. I don't know why, but that's the truth. That's <laughs> that's what I find. <laughs> that is so true. So with that being said, let me talk to my peoples. Hello and welcome to the Smokers Lounge here on Anchor. Perfect app for anyone trying to start their own podcast career. All you got to do is download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get yourself a profile today. I'm your host, Kavanaugh, the Southern Champ, a.k.a. the Porn Rap Star. Y'all know what it is. Find all my links 
with one link, allmylinks.com backslash porn rap star. Let me boast about four wonderful sponsors that we have. The first one being the Facebook and LS community, lsworld.com. Go get yourself a profile today. Next up, go ahead and get yourself a monthly subscription to the hottest adult magazine in, on the web, Eroticism Magazine. So go to eroticismmagazine.com and get yourself a monthly subscription. Get it digital or get it paperback mailed to you. Next up, for you content creators, 90% profit, and for you consumers, a new place for you to consume your triple X content. I'm talking about excitebunny.com. And last but not least, we're talking smut with voiceover, sex with sultry words over top. We're talking about none other than award-winning and award-nominated Blush Erotica. So go to blusherotica.com and go ahead and get a subscription and see the hottest adult talent in the business fucking each other with some hot words over top. They even got a VR side of the site so you can get that virtual reality if you got the Oculus. So go to blusherotica.com and join today. Also, proud member of the GW District Black Podcasting Network. So go over to shopgwdistrict.com and buy from 500 black-owned retailer shops and boutiques. Also, five days a week in the morning, go over to fullyswapradio.com and listen to me give you that smoke five days a week. Also, check me out on SkyhawkAfterDarkTV.com as well as the BGPLLC app. Now I'm going to shut up and let this sexy, gorgeous, dominatrix swinger, blogger, podcaster, uh, a businesswoman <laughs> introduce her gorgeous self. Everybody, thank you for having me and listening. I'm Busy Bender. Um, yes, I am in the swingers alternative lifestyle category of life, which is pretty amazing. It's pretty spectacular, pretty open and free with my sexuality in so many different ways. Um, in addition to all the things that was mentioned already, we do have an adult lifestyle entertainment business that we travel the East Coast, uh, putting on swinger alternative lifestyle parties. And also, um, we own Mizzy's Boutique, which is an alternative lifestyle uh, boutique that you can get all of your fun swag, merch, toys, and so much more for your pleasures. It's great. So, yeah, I got to ask because, okay, you say you go to New Hampshire. So, y'all be throwing events in New Hampshire. Yeah. So, well, what we do in New Hampshire is uh, we travel with the boutique. So, the boutique vends at different lifestyle company, you know, different lifestyle mm -hmm. parties across the East Coast. So, New Hampshire happens to be one of those categories. Uh, one of those territories, we partner with Fusion Parties and H&H Social. They have their events up there, and then they invite us in for, uh, you know, the vending. Sometimes Mind Bender Parties, the event side of it, will collaborate with Fusion Parties and build their dungeon for them. So there's some on-site play and some sexy kind of equipment and furniture one can use while, you know, at, at the venue uh, to get down and dirty. So that's kind of like how we get to New Hampshire. And, and then sometimes we do go just to attend those parties by ourselves so we can have some free time and, you know, get down and dirty ourselves. <laughs> New Hampshire, oh, low key is probably one of the best states for lifestyle. <laughs> Let me tell you what, it's a beautiful place. The New England area is flooded with lifestyle. And I think that yes, it's becoming more and more, you know, yeah, because it was like, um, I talked to one of my homegirls, she was from Boston, she was talking about that, she was talking about Rhode Island, and even mentioned New Hampshire, and which I'm pretty sure because it's such a remote state, you know, what else you got to do up that motherfucker, to be honest with you? <laughs> you know, it's very true, because I mean, it's a very small place, it's gorgeous, it's one of my most favorite places to visit, just because it's so old country, so old school, you know, it's got the old soul, it's got the co cobblestone, and just brick everywhere, it's, it's just so great, but yeah, at the end of the day, the only thing you can be there is sexy, so why not? <laughs> because even to the point that I found that blush, he's up there, and um, I was like, New Hampshire must be popping, got ticket. <laughs> yeah, more and more. I'll tell you what. So, like, for us, Rhode Island, Rhode Island is actually more of, like, a hop-in spot. I think that because it's more of a hub location for many people to travel into. 
And more and more, as some more groups kind of pop up in New Hampshire, you start to see some of the, you know, branch out. But there's a lot of crossover from like the Connecticut area all the way up to New Hampshire and in between that everybody kind of just like hugs it in, Ro in Rhode Island. It's, it's crazy. And guess what? The lifestyle ain't popping. North Carolina, damn it. My Is that right? Oh, yeah. You My are right. to catch up. You know, we have some really good friends that live in North Carolina, and they say that all the time that the lifestyle is just man, like not going anywhere. Girl, mm. like put it this way, I bet you, I bet Montana has more of a lifestyle than North Carolina. Oh too. no, um, that's <laughs> terrible. Pretty, yeah, because you don't hear a lot of swinger parties. The closest dungeon, I think, was in Greensboro, and then the closest swinger part club was in Fayetteville and that shut down. So it's like, if you want lifestyle, you got to go out the state. Unless yeah, you know people. You know, that's terrible. I've never actually really thought about that perspective or point of view before. I guess we're just very lucky, lucky to be in an area that has so many individuals around us. And also, I mean, we travel a ton, so we're always, you know, in the environment. But I don't know what I would do, as a matter of fact, if I didn't have anybody, like, close to me. I think I would feel out of place. It, it's kind of like I said, it's just certain states just are not lifestyle friendly for whatever reason. Because mm -hmm. it's like the people down here are skittish yeah. compared to up north Vegas and Florida. Mm. But they're more open. They, you know, even to a swinger party I went to, if that was a swinger party, we got problems. The only swinger party I've ever been to in my life. <laughs> I went to sleep. In the swinger party, what that tell you? Oh no! Yes, it oh. Was that, that. So speaking about swinger parties, it's I don't think you'd ever fall asleep at our party. <laughs> I, I I really doubt it, cause from look at the picture, it was like it, if I fall asleep, I must be drunk as hell. That's the only reason why. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, you can't get too drunk. Oh no! Oh no! I I I'd be afraid. I wake up, I might have a dick in my mouth. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm not getting anything. I'm just saying, goddamn, because you never know. Motherfuckers get happy in that bitch. But um, anyway, so with swinger parties, what's the hardest part of throwing them? The hardest part about throwing them is hoping people are gonna come. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. So, so, what constitutes a successful swinger party? And how do you get people in the building? Especially because it's one thing that you're in an area where swinging is prevalent. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? But even then, you still it's still a, you know, uh, it, it it's a still a 50-50. So what does a person do to make and ensure that their swinger party turns out and has a good turnout? You know, I think in our perspective, the thing that makes it really great is just the energy of everybody in attendance. So you want the vibe to be flowing so much that you see the dance floor is like really on fire and people are just chatting and, you know, sexiness going on. You know, you have some sultry sexuality kind of like flowing through the air with as everybody's kind of getting acquainted and, you know, to know everybody and everything. And it's it's nice to see the journey of the event as the evening goes on because there is there is kind of like a, a outline sort of you know as those that are coming to the event they get there and they're kind of trying to find their way and their own comfortability at the venue or wherever they're attending you know so they're getting their drink and they're kind of you know scouting things out and it's a little bit quieter like when it first starts I would say like the first 40 minutes of any event is usually very basic I'm gonna say people are definitely trying to get their feel for them once like you're an hour in and the DJ music starts flowing a little bit more and you get that energized you know beats going and stuff the sexiness starts to come out because the drink is there people have already scouted who they want to talk to you know the interactions have already started and then it starts going by the time 12 o'clock comes, they're going in the back and they're going and having a frisky old time and they're doing their thing. So you could usually see the, the dance that kind of like clears out around like midnight, around like a quarter to one, people come back and then the dance floor step starts going like crazy again because they got all their sexual energy out in the playing part and then they come back out and they finish the, you know, they finish the event like super strong out on the dance floor, kind of just like 
kind of just ending things. It's, that's and that's the kicker right there. Y'all have dancing. See, that's what I like because see, people don't realize dancing kind of helps break the ice. Oh, you know, yeah. Especially, you know, when y'all dance with each other, she might be twerking, throwing her ass. And plus, it also makes the, the male and the female and couples or whatever have become horny. Um, do you think that's something that a swinger party should, is essential to a swinger party, is having a place where they have a dance floor to kind of help, you know what I'm saying, to help get things going? Yeah, I mean, I think that each kind of party brings a different vibe so if you're really looking for that club kind of atmosphere yeah definitely i mean at a house party i definitely think that you should have music but i'm not sure that it's going to be the primary in a situation such as that but when you're out and about and you're you know around a lot more you know humans that are trying to get their business on i definitely think that the music is critical because based upon the the song choice even down to the song choice and to the words that others can think about while they're actually dancing it becomes a very different kind of sensory type of contribution to spark spark things and it does allow simple flirting because you still do got to ask permission if it's okay to go and dance with somebody and, and grind up on them and stuff like that. So it's not like a, a free for all that you could just go on the dance floor and start grinding up on people. It's a great way to start the conversation of, I think you're super sexy. You know, is it okay for us to dance? And is it okay for me to touch you? And it kind of starts that initiation into like what you're looking for throughout the night in a very open non-pressured environments yeah because <clears throat> i've heard this before on many occasions that dudes walk in thinking when they go to a swinger party post i make it pussy <clears throat> just because you pay to get in or what have you and i always said no matter what you do whether it's porn whether it's swinging whether it's a party you have to woo people mm-hmm. you know period so speak to the engagement of guys and 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 guys should never walk into a swinger party. Not even females. Anyone should not walk into a swinger party. I'm thinking they're gonna get fucked. Yeah, nobody should walk into an event with any kind of expectations that anything is gonna go on. Even if I don't care if you've paid a million dollars to go to that event, that does not give you the right to sexually or it doesn't even have to be sexually touch anybody you know i will be very straightforward there isn't anybody that i'm looking for to come up to me touch me grab me hug me kiss me or anything ever period at an event unless you stand before me and ask for my permission if you don't i'm going to give you a really hard time and it's going to be a very uncomfortable conversation because there is rules and there are boundaries and there are guidelines, whether they are spoken or unspoken or whatever it may be. There's just no expectations in any kind of way. And if that's where your mindset is, there needs to be some more education and understanding about what swinging really is or kink or whatever you're going for. Now, one of the biggest misconceptions that people think that when y'all do your swinging parties, y'all just fucking really nearly with no condom. Yeah, ever. I mean, listen. Everybody thinks you're going, you're walking into a swinger party and it's like one big orgy. That is not what is going on. That is not the case at all for that matter. You know, like listen, my brother's come to a swinger party with me. It was my birthday. He wanted to see what it was all about. I would never bring my brother into an environment where I thought that he was going to walk out of there with like an outlandish understanding about what he was getting himself into. I use that as an example because people might think it's weird, number one, but number two, it just goes to show that it's not anything crazy like that. I'm sorry, like, weird. It ain't like he's going to be in the room watching you fuck out this month, but he's off to his no, own. No, <laughs> that's goddamn right. That's not going to be the case. But, you know, like sometimes, you know, sometimes when you talk about like family correlations and stuff like that, people just have like, um, they, their minds go like, wait a minute, we need to backtrack on this for a second. You know what I mean? Um, but no, like, and, and as I had mentioned earlier, you don't really start to see any kind of like sexual banging by any means until well into the night because they, you know, people listen, we're busy with our regular vanilla everyday lives. By the time it comes to a weekend and you're at the club event with us, you want to party, you want to dance, you want to talk, you know, you want to just let, let some energy out of your own personal 
freeing for a second before you kind of migrate into like really just, you know, fucking somebody. You want to have the foreplay. You want to have, you know, the sexual charge and, you know, like build yourself up until that moment comes. If that moment comes, because maybe it doesn't even come, you know, there have been plenty of times where I've been very sexual with people on the dance floor in, you know, just like kissing and, you know, heavy touching and caressing and things like that, but it never event never leads to actually fucking, you know? So it's, it's very different in variations on how people go, but yeah, it's the expectation. Yeah, and how popular are you in the swing car? Because you sound you type lady that all the couples and guys want to party with. <laughs> um, I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> I, think, I think that um, I think that I think that a lot of people do really enjoy being in our company because we have a really good time and we're super free, not just in our events, but we're very free in life where not many individuals get to live their full swinger alternative whatever category you want to place yourself in openly right a lot of people have to keep those doors closed and kind of you know okay maybe you can only be that on a friday night because that's what your you know your situation in, you know allows you so i think that a lot of people just enjoy the freedom of being around us because we don't give a flying fuck <laughs> no matter where we are <laughs> yeah, because when you go to an event like that, you don't want to run into nobody that's approved, that's judgmental. That's the wrong place to be that anyway, you know, period. And also, it allows people to be free with their kinks and their sexuality in ways mm -hmm. that they couldn't be anywhere else. Yeah. Like I used to start to see more swinger parties implementing BDSM mm -hmm. um, stuff, such as the cross, uh, spankings and stuff like that. Yeah. Do y'all parties you know, implement some of that too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, originally, my men and parties started out strictly as just swinging. And there were actually a lot of like rules and boundaries to the composition of the events also prior to me coming on board. Over some time, over the last like four years, there has been a lot of shift clearly with the world and things that had gone on. And during the pandemic, I had come to realize that there are a lot of humans out there trying to figure out who they are, what their sexuality is, what their kinks are, what makes them tick with, and, and also learning all these things and learning that they're super embarrassed or uncomfortable or not sure really how to process it. And so by talking to a lot of people, we started to shift my men parties into super alternative lifestyle. This is why I don't like buckets or labels because in the alternative lifestyle, you do, you have the kink, you have BDSM, you have whatever fetish you have, you have whatever your layer of swinging is, you know, because swing, if you ask somebody to be a, you know, if you ask somebody what their definition of swinging is and line five people up, I'm sure you're gonna get five different answers, you know? So for me, I'm like, wait a minute. I don't think that we can classify my men and parties as just swingers because everybody wants a place. So we did, we started, opening up a dungeon. So when you come to our events, you'll see the spanking bench. You will see the St. Andrew's cross. We set up a swing. We set up a sling. Um, I, there's some other furniture pieces that we put up, but I don't remember what they all are. <laughs> <laughs> so, which I'm pretty sure with the implement of the fetish and the furniture, it makes the, the party go to another level. Yeah. You know, especially of intensity and sexualness because you know because now not only you're attracting swingers you're attracting cup couples you're attracting um different people in the bdsm lifestyle now do are you a dominatrix yourself no i'm not so you could have so, fooled me you could have fooled well, me well okay so <laughs> no so we could talk about this in various layers too so we had a girlfriend who's a dominatrix and there are certain females that attend mindbender party events that would be submissive to me. And because I know who they are and I understand them as an individual, I will allow that scene to play out and I will take on a dominatrix role. But in general, no, I do not like practice that. It's not my 
semi thing. If it if if the moment warrants me being dominant to somebody, I could totally do it. Um, but it's not not really. I'm just openly sexually free, and whatever that moment provides to me, I'm really open to exploring. So so I'm gonna ask you this: Do you get a lot of people that mistake you as a dominatrix? Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. It's the energy you give off. I'm trying to mm-hmm. tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's people mm-hmm. realize energy you sometimes give yeah. off. You That's know, my it, badass boss bitch. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I heard the boss. Look, I heard the boss bitch. Uh, got them accent. Got the yeah. boss bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's go. right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I do hold myself pretty strongly. You know, I, I think, but I also. You know, I come from the corporate world and come from a very structured firm, you know. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Prestigious kind of place. So I think that that's kind of where that translates from because I I learned how to hold a certain, you know, stance over myself. And so going into this crazy world of sexuality, I'm like, oh my gosh, wow. So my personality is kind of like flow a little bit and it, I grab a little bit of all of those places. And so I can see why the dominant part would stay out. But truthfully speaking, I just want that to stay more in my business side of things than like my sexual side of things, you know? Mm-hmm. So when did swinging become business for you? <clears throat> with, with the the parties, moment, so the moment that I actually joined the swingers world. So when I joined this community, it was like four and a half years ago, I was married and I had met my now partner my aunt had taken me to a swingers meet and greet and i had no idea that i was going to a swingers meet and greet yeah, you have a cool aunt just to let you know that's, that's kind of i need she's another badass she's another badass bitch or yeah i learned everything i know in life from hers but we have a really great relationship she's probably like only 13 years older than i am so we uh, is so much more close than an yeah. aunt type relationship you know so and she was very good friends with my partner, Spencer, at the time. So, you know, she's like, oh, we're going to go to this night out or whatever. Okay, fine. So she brings me to this event. That was the first night I ever learned of even that, like, swingers existed. I didn't even realize I was at a swingers party until somebody asked me to be into come into a threesome with, the, you know, her and her husband. And I looked at my aunt. I was like, wait a minute. I was like, but I'm married. I'm like, what? And she, then the woman's like, but why are you here? I said, uh, I don't know. My aunt took me here. I was like, auntie, like, what is going on? And she's like, oh, you should feel so flattered. Like the best looking couple wants to take you on their boat. I was like, okay, well, so this is all of my learnings on this one particular night. Oh, I was also in a very challenging home life. I was married to an alcoholic who suffered crazy from PTSD, from war, and it was just a very, a very complicated situation because I was trying to stay in the marriage to get my stepson to graduate high school. So in this time period, I kind of was like, I was trying to figure, I was one year away from my exit plan in my marriage because that was, you know, where I was at with my timeline. And on this particular night that my aunt had taken me to this party, I was in a a very difficult situation currently like going on that I was like trying to navigate through. And I was also gonna be turning 35. And so I was like, if like I wake up another day like this, I'm probably not gonna survive myself because this is just too much. And Spencer ended up finding me on social media and asked me, he didn't even, he would, he was asking me to hang out, but he wasn't asking in a swingers type manner. He was legit because he was kind of like interested in like wanting to hang out and, you know, kind of seeing what the deal, you know, just like doing whatever, you know, typical 
guy like reach out or whatever. So at that time I ended up, I, I ended up leaving my husband. Like I, that was like in June on August 2nd, when I took my stepson for his road test, I moved out the same day. Now, when that happened, I said, okay, well now here I am, I'm venturing into this, you know, kind of like open lifestyle because I was very interested in what Spencer brought to the table because it was very different than what I've been experiencing and it was very free and it was very open and it was very something that I really needed just to be open-minded, you know what I mean? And so when I decided to make all these shifts, it was kind of like I had to make the decision on whether or not I thought I would be able to join you know, the swingers world, not only as a participant, but also as a business owner. And mm. truthfully, so, I so, had- So you were stepping you about throwing events even before you really, really started doing swing, before you really started swing. Well, yeah, because um, he hosted events. So mm. when I first, so he was hosting events everywhere. He was hosting events on Long Island and then he was traveling to Rhode Island to host, you know, the, the bigger events there. And- the first event that he had taken me to, I want to say was like Halloween. So I met him in June, come Halloween. So that's not much time in between for me to be like, oh my God, I need to get on this whole like business bandwagon because, you know, I'm traveling with him. I, you know, I'm not that I'm expected to set up and help with the events, you know, set up and stuff like that. Cause I was so early on new, but you know, these are the things that I'm thinking, like, do I have to go help? Like, what does this look like? Like I had to get my head in the game to kind of prepare for whatever all this shaped out to even be. Cause I had no idea. So I had to be very open-minded right from the start. That is interesting because it's funny. It's kind of like how I ended up doing some of my podcasts is that when I met people, and they start coming on the show. Just something told me to ask them they want to do a podcast. So it's kind of like organically, he saw something in you that said, "I need her as a business partner." Mm. You know. Well, so what do I, you think? What do you think he saw in you that said, "I want to do business work"? Not not just date her. We ain't talking about the date side, but business. Because it's one thing to see someone and say, "I like you. I want to get to know you. I want to date you." Versus. I like you. I want to get to know you. And I want to make money with you. You know what I'm saying? That's a different. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I don't really toot my own horn often, but when it comes to my work background, I have a very, very good resume. And uh, I think that he was really intrigued and very like impressed and, you know, just like small characteristics like that that made him feel like oh she's like a cool cat to you know hang with type deal you know um i think that once he really started to understand my brain and my mind he knew that you know i would be a good candidate to help him with the business part this kind of remind me of uh that scene in the chippendales uh tv show where the the owner chippendales met his wife and she was just saying things he was like they just said something together he, you could just see, look at his eye like, this is my wife. Y'all probably had that moment. That's what probably. <laughs> we, you know what? We have that moment still now, four and a half years later. It's really great. It's that really great. Mm-hmm. That is Yeah. Because it, yeah, I swear. As a matter of fact, like, New York, the way that Mizzy's Boutique came about was because, um, you know, the universe works in like really bizarre ways, truthfully. Mm-hmm. So all this is going on, right? So that, you know, this is all happening less than a year within this less than a year, my corporate job, they were relocating to a different state. So my job position was getting eliminated unless I wanted to move and I was not moving out of state. So they ended up giving me six months severance, which is highly unusual because, you know, normally you only get three if you're lucky, get any, you know? So I got my, you know, full everything, six months severance. So that was from June to December. And come December, well, actually it was like the beginning of January. I had gotten all my papers from New York state to say, come to, um, what is it? Oh, unemployment. You come down to unemployment, fill all this stuff out. And I was like, kind of feeling guilty. I was like, you know, I don't really think that I'm going to do that because I just like, I feel like I was rewarded these like three extra months of 
you know, severance and stuff like that, that I didn't want to be greedy, you know what I mean? So Spencer was like, listen, just go down there, see what they have to offer. Maybe they can help you find a job and figure out like what your next steps were going to be. All right, fine. So I did. And in my interview, they're like, well, because of your job qualifications and, you know, your work history, you are eligible to apply for the SEEP program. And the SEEP program is a is a program by New York State that supports you opening up a business and they will extend your unemployment for 13 weeks. They don't pay for you to, to start the business, but they have a checklist a fucking mile long of things that you need to do for this program. Like you needed to actually incorporate, you needed to have your bank account, you needed a marketing program, a, a marketing outline a social strategy. I mean, like, I, I don't even remember all the different things that I needed to do, but they're like, if you, you know, if you, you need to apply, if you're accepted, these are all the things. So I was like, all right, well, that is appealing to me because then I won't feel guilty for taking unemployment if I get accepted into this program. So I ended up getting accepted into the program and that's how Missy's Boutique started because I had to open up a business. So I was like, Oh, fuck it. We already have the events part of it. Let's go deeper. And there are some more, you know, like different thoughts leading up to the boutique initially overall, but that's how it really came about because they were like, you're accepted. And I was like, boom, here we go. Now I'm going to supply swag and everything to the adult world. Not only bring them together for fucking, <laughs> now I'm going to supply them with everything they need to do it. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> she got t-shirts, coffee cups, mugs and all that good stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we got good stuff. And that's crazy how the universe basically told you that you were going to be a business owner. Because when you when you went out to unemployment, think about it. She wasn't thinking about no damn program. She was just thinking about getting regular unemployment. Then they said, well, you know, we can help you with your making your own business. Isn't that crazy? North Carolina sucks, man. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. But, yeah, that's it. You know, I am really, really thankful and humbled and there probably aren't enough adjectives for me to be as thankful to the universe. Yeah, as I because, I mean, because, I mean, think about this. Just for me, you know what I'm saying, me working my nine to five, right? If I get, went and got unemployment, I'm just going to get unemployment, you know? They're not going to mention a program that would help me start a business or boost my business, mm -hmm. you know, period. And then y'all wondering why there's so much shortage of workers, because... Women found another way of making money that don't involve clocking in to a nine to five all the goddamn time. Mm. Thank you, pandemic. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, let me tell that's so true because, like, when the pandemic started and the OnlyFans pages weren't up, I mean, I think every female in the world's created an OnlyFans. Damn sure did. Everybody got that. They, they mm -hmm. had OnlyFans, but it's just funny that. The same thing happened back when, I mean, I don't know if you remember when Bush had a recession. Same thing happened with Backpage. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. You know, um, because when jobs get lost, guess the first place women go to? The sex trade. Right. Yeah. That's the first place. you are. With that's when you know the economy is, is tanking, when they start going to the sex trade. <laughs> is that that's when you know we're in a big shift. <laughs> you know you're in a recession when you see a lot of motherfuckers going to, to become webcam girls and only pants girls. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. So with you, now I'm gonna ask you this. Now you don't do any adult film, no filming, none of that. Am I correct? No, I mean I don't really participate in stuff like that. I do have my own. I do have an OnlyFans page, <laughs> so you do see like content of me. But I, it's really mostly like solo stuff, and I kind of even veered away from like sexual solo stuff. You just really see me naked. I mean, just honestly. Honestly, it's like I tell females, sometimes necessity is the mother of invention. That you're not dependent upon your money is no way dependent upon content. Mm -mm. You feel what yep. I'm saying? Yep, it's and, not. And thus, there's not a need to necessarily have it. Versus other ladies, they have to have it because that's their only yeah. source of income. You know, yeah. speak to being diverse and having multiple different sources of income within the parameters of what you're doing. Yeah. So number one, I mean, if anybody wants to be successful, it's always encouraged to have a multi-stream of income from different avenues. So that's just like a general rule in business or, you know, independently overall. Um, I, what I, 
it is it's it is amazing having the different incomes right because like having the boutique first off the boutique is two different streams of income because it's online you know and you know it's my own website plus an etsy store so i have like the organic people that find me from etsy search and then you know those that i'm like you know whatever my regular marketing strategy is for my own website and then you know you have the in-person vending so it's you know three streams of income for just the boutique with the events the events is a two-way street also because not only do we put on our own events but others hire us to set up their events for them with the dungeon you know decorations and stuff like that so that's a two-way they, they're so good people paid them to throw their parties ladies right and it, right <laughs> yeah so so that's a two-way multi-income stream and then with the mizzy bender brand you have my podcasts and I'm not even sure why. For some reason, Instagram pays me for my reels. So I get, you know, like dollars. You probably, you probably get enough streams and enough views from your reels. They kind of got no choice. Then. Yeah, something. I was like, oh, okay, I'll take this. So, you know, between, you know, my podcast dollars and, you know, like miscellaneous things like that, then, you know, I have that stream. And then I also do have my OnlyFans, which, you know, I just mentioned is like not, you know, so sexual. But, and I think, I want to touch upon that for a second because people have a lot of misconception. You know, I think that they think OnlyFans and when they subscribe, they automatically think that they're getting porn. But people have to remember that OnlyFans is for a lot of different reasons. You know, OnlyFans are for my personal, personal fans who want to sp spend a day in the life with Mizzy Bender. You know, you watch me showering, you watch me doing the dishes, like I'm cooking, like I'm doing weird stuff. It's like literally like a personal thing. But see, see, but to be honest with you, you're playing into fetish anyway. Because mm -hmm. people don't realize voyeurism is yeah. a fetish. Yeah. You know, seeing a girl yeah. cook, you might you may not even be nude. It's just you in a bar and pan like a picture that I saw before. Mm -hmm. You know, is you still playing into the fetish realm. You're That's just good, not yeah. doing it to a nude or, or a pornographical sense. Mm -hmm. That's a great perspective. That thank you for saying that. Yeah, yeah, that is really lovely. I'm gonna actually use that in some of my responses. Yeah, because, <laughs> because I tell anybody this: the way that you make money <clears throat> without fucking somebody on camera is mm -hmm. either you extreme fetish and kink, or you a hardcore webcam. Yeah. You know, it's it's there's no in between. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah, and like for me. You know, that side of things, I, I guess, I don't even know what it would classify it as. Like, I do enjoy sharing and, and you know, like, turn turning on whomever is on the other side of who's looking at it. You know, female or male, it doesn't really matter. Um, but, but more so being in my natural self. Like, I don't want it to be because I'm fucking, you know, like, for me... I think that because I eat, breathe, sleep, and my businesses are all around this when it comes down to the actual fucking, I just want my, I just want to be in my own zone now. You know what I mean? Because like all the other stuff is like, now it's like my job and I'm just working, you know what I mean? So like, I have to have a separation and a boundary somewhere, but I thoroughly enjoy, you know, bringing everybody on my, my ride with me. And I am very naked all the time. I, you know, just... I generally don't wear clothes. I am always naked. And it's, you know, so for me, it's like, you know, come join my OnlyFans and we'll just hang out. I don't know, you know? So it's just a very different kind of approach. It's a very just, you know, just, just come hang with me. Now, my other favorite part of this, because when I did my research, is that she's a pod mommy. And I love, and people know I love interviewing podcasters. I love talking to people that do the same as me. And stuff. So what brought you to doing your own podcast? All right. So this was because um, during the pandemic, right when the pandemic started, March 14th, we were supposed to travel up to Saints and Sinners up in Philadelphia to hold our um, Shamrocks and Shenanigans event for my men and parties. And the world did not shut down just yet but there was so much chatter in the news that we were uh, that something bizarre was going on so we decided that we were not going to proceed with our event and cancel it and in funny conversation with those on social media they're like oh you should just do something live at home 
So we ended up turning the event into a virtual Saturday night live from our living room and hosted this event where we had our DJ come and, you know, we set up our lighting and we were playing games and drinking. Shoot and to a demon time. Oh, you were like, we, we tried to just like keep it like totally cool and just like not normal, but as normal as one can get from a party atmosphere being virtual. And we had, I mean, thousands, thousands of humans come through that feed that night. And it was more so just because people were nervous and there was a weird energy. And after that event was over, the amount of correspondence that we had received about feeling thankful that there was a place for people to go when they were really confused and not, you know, being home alone in an, in an odd time. Like we got, it was a lot of, a lot emails and stuff. And so it was not, it honestly wasn't sitting well with me. I was like, this is, this is terrible. It's, it's great that people are reaching out to us, but like, oh my gosh, my heart feels so sad right now. And I, and I wake up real early, like very early. And at this time I was waking up at like 4.30 in the morning. So like I'd wake up and I'd go on live. And I, one morning, I think it, it was like that, that Monday morning and Tuesday I did it. I sat on for hours and people just rotated through and rotated through. And we talked about everything and anything. They were voicing how they were feeling. They were, I mean, you know, from funny to bad to, to everything in between pandemic, non-pandemic, it just was a variety of everything. And from that, we ended up community to all together, we created Mornings with Mizzy. So Mornings with Mizzy was from 7 a.m. to 12 p.m. every single day during the pandemic. And oh my God, I have this book that was documented. I wrote an agenda and I had a whole fucking lineup for the show. And I mean, we did a, I think I got to like 160 days or some shit like that. Now in that time frame, when I was doing that, another podcast producer had come to me and asked me to create a podcast. And I said, no. And then he came back and he asked me again. I said, no. <laughs> and then he came back. And he said, but you would be crazy if you didn't do this, because if you look at what's going on with mornings with Mizzy, you're foolish. I said, well, I guess I'm going to do this then. <laughs> so on 420, like three or four years ago, I launched the Mizzy Bender Show. And the Mizzy Bender Show is all over the place. It's, uh, it, it's, it, I love it and I hate it at the same time. I love it because of reasons like this, where I get to talk to so many interesting people and learn and network and just, it's a very fascinating process. I'm not educated in it. So everything that I do with the podcast, I have to learn myself and figure out how to do yes, it. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know the motherfucking feeling. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. the one thing I can't say, with podcasting, it's 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 work. Mm -hmm. People don't realize how much work it is. Just like when people were thinking that porn is easy, no, it's no, not. podcasting no. is not easy because mm -hmm. especially depending upon what you're doing, podcast, whether it's audio or whether it's video. Video even more difficult because now you got to edit the video. Yeah, right, you know? exactly. And I was doing twofold. So there became a point in time where I was actually, so Mornings with Mizzy was a live Facebook show. So I would pull down my feed and separate out my feed, you know, the audio to the actual visual, mm -hmm. edit both of them, you know, launch the visual on my own website as well as YouTube and across wherever. And um, yeah, and then, and then do the audio part of it. I'm like, who the fuck do I think I am? Like, I am not an audio producer. Like, I don't know, this, this is outrageous. So like, I, I guess, right, I guess, right, right, exactly. Yeah, my fucking trades who keeps going up. Like, but it's overwhelming for me because since I I don't know what a measurement of a successful podcast is, and I don't even understand how you learn that. Like, I don't know if my podcast is good or not. You know what I mean? Like, I go through all of these I, different things. What I've learned, truthfully, what I learned is I, I learned this and I said this to myself. You can't, when you first start, you can't look at the numbers. Mm -hmm. It's about your growth and your reach, you mm -hmm. know, period. Um, because even to the point, because even to the point, like you might have podcasts that don't have a thousand listeners a day, an episode, but 
their reach is the strongest one that has a thousand mm-hmm. listens an episode. You know, yeah. for, because I think the key to any podcast that you want to become a part of somebody's day to the point that I didn't have this happen. I'm pretty sure you had when you have like a regular time when you drop an episode and you don't. I actually got an email. Someone said, "What happened this right. week?" Yeah, <laughs> yep. that lets you know motherfuckers listening. When you get mm-hmm. an email, they say, "Why did it you happens. not drop an episode today?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the podcast is on the top of the charts in sexuality and like sexual health across the globe. So, I mean, I yeah, think I, that's I'm still okay. To get there. What's that? Uh, see, I'm still trying to get that. I'm I'm high on good pods, but like mm-hmm. Spotify, and Apple, yeah, not yet. Not yet. Mm-hmm. Not yet. Yeah. But then again, a lot of these motherfuckers use bots, especially for Apple, because uh, I've been noticing that too. And that's what a lot of people don't realize that a lot of these top podcasts, as well as small podcasts, do pay for bots like that of record labels and artists that pay for, you know, views on YouTube and, oh. and, and all that shit. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, which is funny. Which is funny because I teased one of the. "Quote unquote promoters." I'm pretty sure you didn't got the emails on DMs on Facebook. Yeah, I can promote your podcast and da 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 da. But you can only promote it on Apple. You can't do shit on Spotify. Why do I need? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, that's not gonna do anything. Yeah, I do get stuff like that. Yeah. So, but not that, that's how I judge my podcast because it's kind of like I know I'm not gonna get a thousand listens per episode. I, I because I'm too new. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm two years in, it, I'm sitting there looking at six-year podcasts that just get to a thousand. So I know it's it's time. It takes time, especially with podcasts, because there's a difference between I'm selling porn and I'm selling thought. Because right. with a podcast, you're selling thought. You're not selling sex anyway. Right. Right. And podcasts become the new medium anyway, because if you notice, a lot of our brothers and sisters in porn and the sex trade are starting podcasts, because a lot of people want to talk about sexuality. They mm-hmm. want to talk about swinging, swinging parts in porn and stuff like that. And um, how do you how do you feel about now that we now have the term called the porn podcast, which is funny as fuck, because AVN just did a, a award for it. Is that right? I had no idea. Yes, they did. They just did an award for it for the porn podcast of the year, which was won by Horrible Decisions. So, so how do you feel that now we have a fucking genre in podcasts? You know, it, it's not surprising, I guess, now that you say it. I mean, I feel like everybody and their mother has a podcast now. You know, it's yeah. like so mainstream. It's gonna it's it's gonna become oversaturated, just like everything else. Um, however, I now. guess. What's that? So it's already there. <laughs> yeah, it is, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that's I mean, I think it's really great to be able to have recognition for any kind of creator out there because every creator, you know, I mean, it's kind of hard to measure against each other because creative minds are so different, but at least it gives you something to strive for if you have a personal goal to get into. And, you know, like, I guess like somebody like me, I mean, I don't know that my ultimate goal would try and get that, but as I'm trying to measure myself, at least there's a place that I can go to try and see where I fit in. So I guess from that aspect, I think it's pretty great. Yeah, because it was just funny because it was one that was nominated called 69 Whiskey. <clears throat> I've been seeing them on Good Pods because you know to anybody get your podcast on Good Pods. It's great. It's a great app, yeah. and they should pay me for saying that. But you know, nonetheless. Um, <laughs> but Good Pod, I always see them in Good Pod. We always fighting for number one and number two and what have you. And I saw they were nominated. I said, "Damn, what the fuck I'm doing wrong? Did they got nominated for AV?" <laughs> I mean, are those things like um? Like people have to vote for you and submit, or I, I think it was free non, but mm. I didn't know about it. If I'd known about it, I'd have thrown my hat into the arena. Right. Yeah. But um, I didn't even know that they even did it until one of the girls that I been helping in the podcast, you know, arena, Miss Lily Craven. She told me, she said, "Yeah, I'm nominated for AVN." I didn't think nothing of it until I saw the, the nominations. I said, "Wait a second. Wait a minute. And I said this. When she first started, mm-hmm. about a year and a half ago, I said, watch AVN give us a nomination. 
Mm-hmm. They're going to give a nomination because there are too many podcasts that doing what we do coming up. Yeah. And it's not just talking about porn, but also talking about sexuality because there's a curiosity about the lifestyles from BDSM to, to swinging. Mm-hmm. Because now, compared to 10 years ago, it's way more open. People are more open to it and not as closed mind to it. Oh, yeah. So what do you, so what do you think was the shift that happened in society that made people open up to this? Um, you know, I wonder if the pandemic really had some some to do with it. Because when the pandemic happened, as you mentioned, things did become a little bit more sexual and there was a lot more connectivity between the virtual sexuality aspects of things everywhere. You know, you had everybody home kind of even scrolling Instagram and, you, you know, every Instagram model that popped up or whatever. But I think that TikTok really had a lot to do with the outbreak of the swinger side of things, you know, because you had that whole entire, you know, like maybe like last August or something like that, where the news was going wild about, you know, learning all these things on TikTok and stuff like that. And I think that mainstream, a lot of the I don't know, I guess a lot of social birds out there are are very intrigued, you know, because, you know, people are intrigued about the things they're afraid of, you know, and when you see somebody doing something so outlandish, quote, unquote, all you want to do is learn more. You can't just, you can't help it, you know, that's human nature, I think. So I think you had a lot of that going on where, you know, social media was at our fingertips and there was nothing else to do. People start to understand that monogamy is mental, not mm-hmm. physical. Right. And I think we start to get turn that page because part of the reason why a lot of people turn off a swinging because their thought process is that's cheating. Mm-hmm. Or I shouldn't do that. Or people, well, what people think of me. Now we're to the level where it's cool. Mm-hmm. Who gives a fuck? You know, yeah. the person that might be judging you might ask you later on, well, how was the swinger party? Right. Tell me about the swinger life, you know, period. And, mm-hmm. and that I think it's cool. Is that it's not as taboo. A lot of stuff that we consider taboo and had shock value back in the day don't have it anymore. And one of that is the swinger lifestyle. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that well, I do agree with it and I don't agree with it. I think that individuals that are swingers are still afraid to come out and be open with their family because of judgment. On the flip side of things, as a whole, I think people are more open to seeing it and learning it. I also think, though, like generational shifts, you know, millennials that came in are a very different kind of mindset, you know whatever, you know, the next generation is after them and stuff like that. But with really with millennials, there was a huge shift in how their behaviors were and what their relationship kind of thoughts and integrations were and, you know, how they live their life in general, um, I think was a lot of where more open-mindedness came about with sexuality and stuff like that. Yeah. And then too, you see more people talk about it, you Mm -hmm. know, even with podcasting, that's where you really hear it on mm-hmm. the different podcasts and stuff like that, you know, period. Not it, it even though mainstream media may discuss it, but it's more discussion amongst us podcasts. Yeah, because we're still niche. So, you know, for you to be able to go and find it, you do gotta like search it out a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in that regard, I agree too. So Miss Lay, I know you're a busy woman. I done held you on here for an hour. And which okay. means people y'all know what it is, she's gonna have to come back. So with that being said, Missy, can I call you a smoke buddy? Yes. Say no more. So people, she will be back here on the Smokers Lounge and she will be back also in the premium smoke room, my subscription side of the podcast. The best smoke is premium smoke. $4.99 a month, seven premium podcasts, more uncensored, more unpredictable, more wilder, more honest, and we really get it cracking. So you don't know what might happen. You might see a titty. You might see a lollipop get swallowed. You might hear us talk about even more nasty and freaky shit than we talked about on the podcast. Either way, for you to see it, you got to subscribe. And you can only see it on Spotify. That's right, motherfuckers. Spotify does video now. And you can only watch the videos on Spotify on your Spotify account. You subscribe to the Premium Smoke Room 
at anchor.fm backslash smoke this over over speed OVA backslash subscribe 49 $4.99 a month. And with that being said, Missy Bender, tell everybody where they can find your podcast, find your boutique, find out where you throw your parts, find out about you. Well, if you want to learn all about the Mizzy Bender brand and all the entities involved, MizzyBender.com for everything. And you can find Mizzy Bender on every social platform under Mizzy Bender. That's right. Google her, motherfucker. Google her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you just Google Mizzy Bender, you'll you'll come up with everything you need. No doubt. So with that being said, you know how we end these things all day, every day. Life is a learning experience. What's the point of the experience if you haven't learned anything? Smoke this over. Say goodbye to the listeners. See you later.